This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, August 11th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And we are well underway in the month of August. I hope everyone's staying cool and safe. And today was kind of the first shot across the bow, shall we say, uh, in the markets in a little while, where we saw a solid, really down day since July 23rd. So it's been about three weeks since we've seen a little bit of volatility. And this was driven uh, in a different way today. A lot of it's sentiment, positioning, which has now become extreme on the optimistic side. Doesn't mean you have to drop dramatically, but there likely needs to be some humbleness for the bulls, right, to bring kind of the fear and greed index back to something more neutral. And it was just waiting for a catalyst. And the catalyst today, although probably won't talk about it much on CNBC or the other media outlets, were higher yields, higher treasury yields. You saw the 10-year hit 0.658 today, up Eight and a half basis points from yesterday. That's a big move. Eight and a half basis points on from a, a basis of what fifty or eight and a half fifty-seven basis points. It's pretty big. About a fifteen percent move in one day. Now the big question is what is the driver of that? Right? We know that Fed wants to keep rates low. Is it simply supply? Because there's massive supply coming on board. Is it sellers, right? Kind of maybe capitulating out of bonds and equities? Well, if that was the case, well, they picked a bad time to do it, right? And higher yields mean lower asset prices in general. We've talked about this before. One of the big reasons why you have such strength in the tech stocks is that low yield, the discounting of future cash flows, the expectation of very high future cash flows for a lot of these growth stocks, even if their earnings are none or or small today. And so when yields go up, that affects the large cap growth stocks the most. And you saw that today. In fact, if you look at the value side of the market, that was barely down. While the growth side of the market was down eh, a little over 1%. And if you look at my YouTube video, watch my YouTube video on Friday, I said there is, there continues to be this kind of rotation away from growth and into value. Right? Small caps, which at this point are more on the growth side than, or sorry, on the value side than the growth side, has started to outperform the S&P as of late which is now the opposite, right? Where most of the S&P is weighted towards the five biggest 
bang names. And so underneath the surface of the market, this is what you've seen, what I've been seeing. So if you go watch that video, you'll, you'll see my explanation there that while the S&P has been grinding a little bit higher, growth stocks have been losing momentum. Now, two things can happen here. You can simply have the growth stocks kind of trade sideways, chop around, still underperform the value side of the market, but the value starts to take hold. And while a lot of those have been lagging, they start to lead, and that leads the market higher as long as the growth side of the market doesn't falter too badly. So that's a possibility. Or the growth side falters so bad because of higher interest rates, which I think would be driven by higher inflation expectations. That could also be what turns the market back over to the downside. If we reopen the economy, right, things get better. I talk about the, the vaccine in, in Russia. That could be a catalyst as well. I don't think there's really a vaccine in Russia. I think that's more of a, a political ploy. But will the growth trade since COVID started kind of reverse, right? which leaves the equity markets vulnerable, the S&P mainly, because of the overweight in the growth side of the market? There's a lot of interesting dynamics right now uh, in this market, right? This isn't a normal market. We're in the midst, uh, like I said yesterday, going from a depression-like economy to a recessionary economy. You have a lot of bifurcation because of COVID in the economy from rich versus poor, from tech to, you know, say, restaurant industry, anything that's service-related. So you're not in a normal economy, which means you're not in a normal market. Gold came in today, and I've said this for, eh, what, a week or two, that it's uh, looking a little hot, right? Starting to get in the news. It's a good lesson, right? How many articles about gold did you see a week ago, two weeks ago? When that happens, it usually means there's over bullishness in the space. But with volatility, oftentimes becomes opportunity. So will this be an opportunity? We'll find out, and it's up to you to decide. But certainly a volatile day on that side of the market as well. Maybe it brings off the uh, frothiness, at least in the near term, of some of those gold shares as well. So a lot to talk about on today's show. I'm ready to take your calls. 8899 chart. Our goal here on Invest Talk and at our company KPP Financial is to operate with the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. That's what Steve and I do each and every day on the show and in the office. We are dedicated to that unbiased guidance as well as providing Investment strategies that can be implemented for different goals, different risk tolerances, different types of investors. 
And we prove this with a practice we call parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So now that I've set things up for today, I am ready to get your calls in. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. If you want to set up a time with myself or Steve, you can do that via investtalk.com. You can set up a telephone call, a Skype call, a Jive meeting, whatever you would like, however you would like to connect in this uh, time of virtual meetings, we would love to do so. So head over to investtalk.com, click on the contact Justin or contact Steve button. My focus point today is on the payroll tax holiday and ultimately could it cost workers more than they expected next year? We're going to discuss the potential forgiveness or not and what your liability could be next year if your employer does not withhold the payroll tax. So we're going to touch on that. Also on my docket is office REITs. Uh, there were a couple calls yesterday and I think we should go over kind of the history of office REITs, what they look like in a recession, etc. There's a lot to unpack here and it's important for everybody to discuss and, and learn about and understand because in this market there's a lot of variables to consider. And then lastly, are there a couple inefficiencies in the high yield bond market that investors can take advantage of? It's something we do for clients, uh, but uh, we're going to dig into the details a little bit more as well. So that's what's on my mind today. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Summer is moving along, and you need to get your portfolio in gear. How are we going to deal with the volatility like you saw today? I want to hear from you. Let's talk about it. Your participation is an important part of the mix. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where InvestTalk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. All right, let's go to Eric in New York looking at LVGO, Lavongo Health. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for taking my phone call. Um, sure. Yeah, so I'm looking at Lavongo Health. They recently announced a merger with Teladoc, and this mm -hmm. whole telemedicine is a new big thing with the obvious catalyst being COVID. I just wanted to know what you thought about this stock, this space, and uh, you know, it had a big dip after the merger was announced. Should I look at this as a buying opportunity, or should I wait till after the merger and see how things kind of shake out? Well, I believe, if I remember correctly, Teladoc is buying Lavongo Health, correct? Right, yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's going to be, I believe, an all-stock deal in Teladoc shares. Am I correct on that as well? Um, yeah, I believe that there was something in regards to value being like... Um, 0.52 of, I, I forget the details, and yep. like $11.33 being paid out 
per share for Livongo holders. Um, yep. I forget the exact terms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like, yeah, 0.59 shares of Teladoc plus cash considerations of $11.33 for each Livongo share. So that's what you'll, if you're a Livongo shareholder, that's what you will get. You'll get $11.33 per share plus, you know, if you have 100 shares, you'll get 59 point, uh, what, four, 59.2 shares of Teladoc. So this is now going to trade like Teladoc, right? And Teladoc's been trending downwards. Uh, so it's really your, your view on Teladoc now. Because Livongo is, unless the deal falls apart, Teladoc is going to be, you're going to be owning Teladoc at the end of the day, plus that $11.33. You know, I think you're late to the game. You're already seeing the space roll over. You're seeing growth stocks roll over. I think this is something that I would have on my watch list. And this is the type of name that I think is going to come down over 50% from its high. Uh, and we're barely down as it is. So I'm definitely looking at the space. I'm looking at other companies, smaller companies that are a little less talked about because they're not the only telemedicine company that's public. I'll tell you that. There are others. And so while Livongo and Teladoc are the most talked about, doesn't mean they are the best. And you'll learn that too over time is that Many of the companies that maybe the most discussed and the most hyped, especially early on in their days of being uh, public, aren't the best run. They just have the best PR. You know, Beyond Meat's a great example. I think they just had great PR. It's a veggie burger. Great PR. Are they the best? Are they, best well, are they most well-run in their space? I don't think so. And I don't think Teladoc is either. So while there's a lot of the names, a lot of names that have done well since March are in the work-from-home space, the, in this case, virtual medicine space, the vast majority of those names are well overvalued. We're going to go to a break. Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and we are all watching the markets go up, then down. So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. Love the show. Curious about what you think of Pay sign, ticker P-A-Y-S. I'm thinking about entering a position now that it is beginning to dip under that $9 mark and curious what your thoughts are. Thanks. Look forward to hearing soon. Bye-bye. Interesting. Okay, this is PaySign Incorporated. It's a pretty relatively small company. Earnings last quarter, sorry, revenue last quarter was only $10.5 million, a $500 million market cap. So based on that, that's pretty expensive. And they're growing about 40 to, yeah, call it 40 to 50% over the past couple of years, year over year on revenue. Earnings up 36% this year, supposed to be up another 68% next year. Now what they do is they offer prepaid debit card payment solutions 
as well as an integrated payment processor that uh, is in relation mainly to the pharmaceutical industry with copay assistant products uh, designed to maximize new patient acquisition, retention, and adherence. So uh, they're in the, the pre prepaid card space, and I think this is more of a play on more government spending uh, towards maybe the medical space or just giving people more money, maybe on prepaid cards, for example. Uh, and I think that's really what the play is here. Their profitability is nice. Return on equity trailing 12 months is over 50%. So I like that profitability. They have positive free cash flow, even though it's not that great. It's still nice and pro profitable. My issue really here is the valuation. Enterprise value to EBIT is 58. Enterprise value to revenue is 13. That's pretty high. I like that they have very minimal debt, though, uh, which is uh, attractive to me. So I like the space. I like the growth. I, and I actually like the chart in the near term. Uh, the daily chart has been consolidating uh, over the past couple of, call it two months or so. Had a big move in late June and has been consolidating that. So as long as we stay above 7, call it 740-ish. Some, eh, called seven fifty, seven dollars fifty cents. Now we're at nine ninety five. I actually like this, technically. Fundamentally, it's still a little expensive, even though it's growing. Uh, but this would be more of a trade for me, simply on that chart, which to me is pretty positive. Now, my focus point today concerns the payroll tax holiday, and the big question is how will it affect workers? Now we know President Trump put together or passed signed, I guess, an executive order on August 8th, and it calls for the deferral of employees' portion of payroll taxes from September 1st through the end of the year. Now, the CARES Act had already made payroll taxes optional right, through the end of the year, saying uh, employers don't have to pay it until next year. Now, it's basically giving that ability for employees to do the exact same thing. That doesn't mean you don't owe it, at least for now. It just means that you can get a little bit more money now and pay that later when you do file taxes before April 15th next year. Now, this will also do a couple other things like extend unemployment benefits at a reduced level, I think from 600 to 400. It also gives a three-month extension for deferrals on federal student loans. So that's big as well. And it orders the Secretary of the Treasury to explore avenues, including legislation, to limit the obligations to pay for the taxes deferred. So basically saying it's up to the Treasury to push Congress to forgive this payroll tax. In today's Congress, I don't know if that's really going to be something that's palatable to actually happen. You know, they, they can agree on a current stimulus package. So I don't see them agreeing on this either. So even if you get a short-term boost, you're unlikely to keep that because you'll probably just pay it in taxes next year. And if you go by Pete Iceberg, which is the vice president for government relations at ADP, so the worst case scenario is we have a deferral 
And if Congress doesn't act on the forgiveness, each, each employee owes the tax and pays it on their form 1040 next year. So while this is nice, I don't really think it's going to, I think this is Trump basically saying, let's try to boost the economy. How can I boost the economy right now before the election to get a little more money into people's pockets, even if they have to pay it later? Well, guess what? They're going to look at it and pay it post-election. They're not going to know that this is a deferral just till next year and that they're still going to have to pay it. So don't think if you're getting a little boost to your paycheck that this is something that is some magic money in your pocket. It's just simply a deferral, at least for now, but I would not expect it to be forgiven. Now, the next and best talk, this story, is inflation a threat to the economy? One analyst says no, not yet, but could he be wrong? Steve will break down that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hello, this is Carter. Just started listening to your guys' show. I'm a big fan already. I had a question about Tencent. T-C-E-H-Y. Just kind of curious of what you thought on the company and its chart. Thanks. Bye now. All right. This is Tencent Holdings, Chinese company, provider of internet and mobile value-added services and online advertising. And if you're new to the show, you probably don't know that I'm not a big fan of the Chinese companies at this time. I think uh, many of them uh, we know based on history that all of them have some level of fraud built into their business. It's just a matter of how much and when will governments crack down on China really bleeding investors dry. Uh, you know, we have luck and coffees of the world and there are dozens that you've seen over the past uh, 10 to 20 years of just out and out, out and out frauds and mostly frauds that are outed. Now, Tencent is uh, one of the biggest ones. Doesn't mean that they're going to go away, but they have a $630 billion valuation, pays a very small dividend. And I t- can talk about the fundamentals, but once again, I don't know if I trust the fundamentals, so I d- and which I don't. <laughs> uh, and the, I think the legislation in the future is going to weigh on uh, a lot of these names. And you've just seen that recently with the, the big, the decent drop. So, uh, Chart-wise, it's broken below its 50 and its 20-day moving average, and so I would pass on Tencent for all of those reasons. But thanks for the call. 8899 chart 8899242278. We have about 20 minutes left in the show, so get your call in now. Let's touch on work-from-home trends and not the companies that are benefiting, but the companies that are most hurt from it. And we know based on Morgan Stanley's recent survey that about 75% of employees would like to work from home at least three days a week. Now, this is going to be an issue for the owners of office buildings and the occupancy rate of those, occup- uh, of those buildings. If you, I know for us, we moved 
a little less than two years ago to a new office building in Irvine that was built oh, less than a year when we, uh, before we moved in. Uh, and I check in with security. We go in the office now three to four days a week. And I check in with security and say, what's your, you know, what percent of people are, are back? And he said, probably only about eight to 10%. And so I think this is a, a, a common thing. If you look at the statistics and if you look at prior recessions, get rid of COVID, just talk about a recession. Office rents typically drop pretty dramatically and they drop the most in areas like San Francisco and New York. In 1990, office rents nationwide dropped 9% in New York and San Francisco 14% equally. 2001 post dot-com bubble, which I think is where we're going to go in the next cycle. New York was down 22%. San Francisco rents were down 48%. And the U.S. overall was down 21%. In the 0809 recession, overall U.S. 18% down, 21% in New York, and 29% in San Francisco. Now, year to date, as of July 29th, the office REIT sector was down 23% whereas overall REIT sector was only down 9%. Industrial REITs were actually up. Now you would say, okay, this is just because of COVID, but this actually has been a, a longer term trend. On the one, three and five year periods, office REITs have trailed the overall REIT index. And more and more these office buildings are needing to put more amenities, technology infrastructure, fitness centers, nicer lobbies. And that's likely going to be even more. It's going to take even more uh, in today's world. Now, what areas of the office REITs might be actually attractive? If it's not going to be the New York's of the world, the San Francisco's of the world, or the Chicago's of the world. Well, think of Maybe Austin, Texas, for example. Right? Maybe your middle markets where the cost of living is cheaper. Think of all the people moving out of New York. They're going to have to live somewhere. Area where they have more space, get more bang for the buck. Same with businesses. Call them the gateway markets. And I think those will be the attractive areas to invest in the office REIT space, but that still might be a little while. Let's go to Noel in Napa looking at B&G Foods. Yes, hi, Justin. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, I've had it for a while. I'm not anxious to sell, but what would uh, I look for to uh, maybe consider selling? It's, as you know, it's pierced uh, $30 recently, and uh, so when, when would be a time to sell in your uh, you know i i like bng foods uh, they have been over indebted for a little while but they have good management uh, i think you could see a near-term pullback uh but i i think this could easily get back into the the 40s and so i'm i'm a fan of it i i like this bread and butter business i guess pun intended because they manufacture self-stable food products such as jellies hot sauces they own jolly green giant 
they have a lot of just solid brands that are, are getting more traction now because more people are eating at home. All right, they're, and they're stocking up on more shelf-stable foods, right? Whereas the trend used to be towards the outer part of the, the grocery store, right? Fresh fruits and vegetables, fresh meats, and less towards canned goods, box goods, etc. And this pandemic has certainly helped their business, allowed them to pay down the debt um, and, and, and get in a better financial position. And so, honestly... I would just keep holding it. Okay. Yeah, and, of course, I, I just love that uh, dividend. It's, it's unbelievable. So. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty solid. 6.6%, uh, nice solid dividend. But because of that over-indebtedness, uh, they, they could have some volatility. So be prepared for a certain level of volatility in the stock. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, And you are in good company. We, down, we keep download statistics, or at least our podcast uh, servers do. And we know that in the month of July, for example, we totaled over 850,000 downloads. So Steve and I thank you for that. Please be sure to tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk and our website, investtalk.com. We have some great resources over there for you. And I suggest you take our Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire. It'll help you define your investment comfort zone, 1 to 99. It's kind of like a speed limit. The higher it is, the more comfortable you are uh, with risk. The lower it is, the less comfortable you are. So it's always interesting to have people figure out how, what type of investor they are and then build a, a portfolio around that. And that's something we do for clients or you can just do simply on your own. And of course, you can call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We would love to help you. We want to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, and you still get unbiased answers. But in the special podcast, you'll hear responses to over 30 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. Tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August bonus show. Independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial. Uh, yes, uh, my name's Elliot Bartlett, and I uh, just found you guys on the app, started listening, and uh, I really like how you uh, how you slow down the pace and answer pretty thoroughly. Uh, I got on the Robinhood. I've been using it for a while. I've got about 10,000 10, right now that I'm investing. And Harmony Gold, it's uh, HMY, is, uh, is what I've been following, watching. They jumped up from $3. They hit a high of $7.40, and they dropped back down to about six eighty. Man, I'm just looking to pull the trigger. But I just wanted to know what your thoughts were. Several different apps rate that as a uh, stock to buy. They have different safety ratings. It's a company that they mine for gold, for silver over in Africa, and I think a couple other places. Yeah, I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Uh, and your advice, and I appreciate your time. Thanks. This is Harmony Gold Mining, about a $3 billion market cap, down pretty decent today, about 10%, not shocking. Uh, it was a, kind of a, 
Uh, a tough day for gold miners after a big, big run. Not shocking. Remember, these gold mining shares are very, very volatile. So you have to understand and accept and expect that level of volatility. Now, earnings this year expect to be $0.04, cents, but $0.74 cents next year. So big, big jump in earnings. Now, here's my biggest issue with Harmony Gold is that they have mining operations in South Africa and Papua New Guinea, uh, they have some other projects all over the world. Uh, I could read off the names, but uh, money, many of them are in, in places you've never heard of. And that makes this type of company far more risky. Right? When your mines are in third world countries with very, very questionable governance, these governments can come in and take over a mine or not allow you to sell the gold that you have mined into the rest of the world. They might want a piece of that. So part of the analysis of the gold miners is not just what are the numbers, what do they mine, it's where are these mines? What's the history of the profitability of these mines as well? And if I look at return equity, return assets, it's pretty low, pretty weak, uh, many years negative, even uh, back in 2010 when gold prices were pretty high. So that worries me here. And revenue last quarter only up 15%. It's not that great. So I don't hate it because I like the space, but definitely not near the top of my list. And, and the lesson here, I think, is that he's a new investor Robin could account. That's dead giveaway there. And it's a low price stock trading at $5.75 a share today. And this is something that, you know, I have friends. Some of them are, uh, you know, a little bit younger than me. And they're just starting to get into the investing game as well. And what do they do? They look for the lowest price stock, right? Oh, is it trading for $4, $7, $3? And they think that is the one I buy because it's the cheapest. That's what they think. It's how they think. And it is probably the number one mistake most amateurs make. I'll give you guys a little hint. We have, in our most aggressive strategy, we have six different gold and silver miners. Only one of them trades below $10. We picked it up, I don't know, around three, now it's at seven. Doesn't mean you exclude them, doesn't mean you can't buy them. But it should not be a factor at all in your thinking. To look at the fundamentals of the company and the dollar amount doesn't matter. The market does. Enterprise value does, the debt does, but not the dollar price that it's trading at. And this goes for any company in any industry. Now let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question that came in earlier at 888 chart Hey, Stephen, Justin, it's Blake from Rhode Island. I'm just calling about uh, the work from home ETF, ticker symbol WFH. One of you guys' thoughts on it? I picked up a little bit of it, and I might pick up some more. We'll be listening for the answer, please, and thank you. Well, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier with the 
Teladoc or Livongo. And the trend that you know, people are piling into these work from home investments and they're overvalued. This is a great example. This just came out in the month of June. Whenever an ETF comes out focusing on some segment, sub-segment of the market, what does that tell you? Well, I'll tell you what it should tell you. It should tell you that that space is way, way over-owned, over-allocated to. People are buying it without any sense of valuation concern at all. And you can go back in the history. Go look at any subsector ETF. You'll notice that 9 out of 10 of them came out around the time when that particular thesis story in the market was hot. Why is that? Well, think about this. Okay, if you're an ETF company and you want to you want to gather assets. You're going to launch a fund. Are you going to launch a fund and gather enough assets to make that fund worthwhile in a sector that eh, has eh, so-so interest? No. You're going to put it in a hot sector. Make it in a hot sector where everyone's going to throw their money in without any regard for valuation. And you can get the most assets in the near term to keep that fund sustainable. And that's how these ETFs work. And that's why you need to avoid the ones that should just launch and the whole area. Now we're going into our final break. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Steve and Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. Really enjoy the program. I was just wondering if I could get your thoughts on Kellogg. The symbol is K. Thank you. All right, looking at Kellogg, I think everybody knows what Kellogg does. They pay a, a decent dividend. Uh, about 3.3 percent. Uh, I, you know, I'm okay on Kellogg. I, I kind of like it. Uh, I don't. It's not my favorite in the space, um, but eh, you know, I I, I kind of like it. It's weakened recently, uh, which worries us a, a little bit. And so I would probably, um, I'd probably have a hold on Kellogg. I probably wouldn't buy it here, um, but you know, it's it's one of those. Decent long-term plays. It's it's not expensive. It's not cheap at these levels. Um, so I'm just going to kind of give it an OK on Kellogg to slightly better than OK. Let's say that. All right, let's go to one more caller question at 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is uh, Nate in Arizona. I am calling about ticker NAK. Um, there's been some positive news regarding the environmental impact from the Army Corps of Engineers, as well as the United States could probably use a mine that large. So I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. All right. This is Northern Dynasty Minerals. And what they are, they're developing a mine in Pebble Project 
located in Alaska. That's its core asset. And that's the big issue here is that it's one particular asset and whether it actually, they don't have any revenue because they're just developing this mine. They're trying to get it passed. Now the price has gone from what, 30 cents back in, pull this up here. Yeah, back in March. Now we're at a dollar forty-eight. It hit as high as two forty. Uh, it, it's going to be mining for copper and gold and some other minerals, and that's been a little bit of an overbought space. So I wouldn't buy this because it's just simply too speculative. That this is actually going to get passed. How much is? Are they going to yield? How much copper and gold are they actually going to yield from this mine? This is all speculative. This type of name that you'd buy simply on a chart. And the chart after this recent drop is now in no man's land. It's no longer super bullish. It's no longer bearish, or it isn't bearish yet. Hasn't broken the lows from uh, the month of June, which would be about $1.25. If it broke that, then I would say it's bearish. But this goes back to everyone just focusing on low price stocks and speculative stocks. And this is a hard message to get across to people in this time, right? Where fraud is awarded in the market right now. The SEC doesn't really crack down on, on fraud. Uh, it doesn't really crack down on anything. Anything goes. You have SPACs. You have these Chinese companies that uh, there's a lot of fraud in there. You have the Nikola tests, the Nikolas of the world that are just basically pumping and dumping the, the, the Modernas of the world that are pumping and dumping. Uh, th there's really no regulation in the market right now. The, uh, the Jay Clayton at the SEC is asleep and it's allowing a lot of shadiness in the marketplace. A lot of white collar in my, in my estimation is crime is simply not prosecuted, not punished. Think of the Kodak thing. You can kind of do whatever you want. And so in that environment, it's hard to convince people that they should focus on real companies with real cash flows and real earnings. Why? Because fraud has alpha right now. Fraud has, fraud goes up. Well, it goes up until it doesn't. History tells me that it always comes around, right? That pendulum always swings back. When will that be? Hopefully soon. Because it's a sad sight to see that the markets are no longer functioning correctly. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. We'll return on Thursday. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members about over the over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts that are free to download on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, as well as investtalk.com where you can browse by title or topic. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. 
Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. 